having spent these few days together, something happens um, just by a group of people being together in a way where the intention is to awaken, to be present. You can't always make that, but that's the intention. That's like a powerful uh, magnetic quality to it, that continuing intention. It's sort of like the way that a magnet pulls. Um, and it begins to pull us into a shape, into a pattern. It's um, underneath all of the other stories that we have and we are, all these other bits and pieces and stories that are as different, more different, in fact, than these bodies are. And yet, having the same basic characteristics just as these bodies do. So this, this is particular patterning that can occur in terms of a retreat. If, a, if our intention to awaken, to be present, is something that we have faith in, share, are unashamed of, are welcomed into, a certain you know, quality gets crystallized from this. So, Sister Tanya last night playfully alluded to one of these terms that occasionally comes percolating out of my brain, <laughs> causes all kinds of mischief when you try to understand it. It's morphic resonance. <laughs> the sense in which a kind of a shape begins to occur, a shaping on a, on a intuitive or a somatic or an energetic level. And it begins to occur where people start to tune in and chime in and things get said that reach everybody and people's feelings are somehow felt. And there's a sense of, uh, it's, a, it's a, an attractor that gradually draws in. And it's a sense of bonding and harmony that we're quite amazed by. You know, like people saying, hey, how did you know that? That's what I was thinking. Well, you just answered that. You just answered the question before I asked it. Because we all somehow we all determinedly believe that our minds are separate, don't we? <laughs> well, so how could that be? Where, where is your mind if it's separate? Huh? Is it somewhere inside your bone of your skull? Is it in there? Is that where it is? <laughs> Could it be that we're actually all sitting inside it? You know, it's all around us. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you mean by mind, but there's a kind of quality of collective sensitivity, collective uh, intelligence, not necessarily conceptual, but kind of the ability to sensitize, resonate, feel, be moved, affect, intend. And this is what? It's the intention to be present. It's a very powerful healing um, act, healing wish, healing determination. It's something that kind of realigns our force fields, our energy fields from their contracted, you know, self-enclosing states. You kind of feel very much boundaried, armoured, located, uh, isolated, very much stuck in a meanness and bouncing off other meannesses like like snooting like a ball within a pool game. Ting ting. (laughs) 
this uh, quality is rapturous. This is, so I bring this quality into awareness, into mind. Rapturous is uplifting, uh, inclines towards uplifting, inclines towards a sense of, like an energy that, that has a trembling, tremblingness to it, almost a precipitous, we're on the edge of something. Uh, and therefore it can be there's joy there it can be a subtle thing like a sort of stirring sense of something good here something good here stirring quality Um, it can be something that we maybe most easily recognize when we come to somewhere or a place that suddenly takes our breath away for a moment it could be something that occurs on a sensory level Suddenly you see something properly for the first time, and that moment you're suddenly, oh, you're wowed by that. There's a sense of awe in which the cognitive faculties go quiet because they just want to sit back and receive that. You know, the babble goes quiet. They just want to sit back and receive that. It's a blessed quality. And this is probably what um, great beauty does to us, or... Um, you know, things we, we may feel in art, or those moments when we feel really touched by each other's presences. That happens, and we think, we think it, we think, that was a great scene, that was a great piece of music, that was a great moment, he's a great guy, whatever, you know. And because for a moment, you know, the field of our enclosedness popped open, you know. It'll pop, it sort of opened, there's a window there. And, you know, and when we think it, we think, oh, it, it, the thing that caused that was the, was the thing I opened onto, not the fact of opening itself. We don't necessarily know how to do that most of the time, how to, how to open the window, how to open from our um, enclosedness. So it takes a little bit of, of um, invitation, a little bit of, um, uh, needs to be catalyzed, needs to be welcomed and acknowledged when it's, when it's occurred and feel, actually this is actually what it would be like to be normal. <laughs> you know, in the really true sense of the words, we have found a norm, a normative sense. Norm, a norm. And this is the one of the way the word Dhamma is translated as the norm. I mean, rapture is one of the ways in which the ground of being um, is experienced. And before I've alluded to this, as summarized in the Enlightenment factors, which, you know, just briefly, Mindfulness, that which brings us into presence. You know, it's a kind of touching the moment, touching the moment, touching the moment. It's the first, it brings us into presence. It's always accompanied by something called full awareness or sampajanya, which is as we, as we touch into presence, something opens and there's a sense of space, spaciousness, like a, um, you know, which is not just the particular object, but all the quality of how the object is held. I think this is really crucial because, you know, we can hold objects in a way which is programmed into 
you know, do this or get something out of it or make sure you hold it. So that the, the spaciousness of mindfulness gets lost underneath some sense of willpower or need to make something of it or even I need to be, you know, I should be mindful for a whole hour um, you know, and I'm someone who's not very mindful and I've got to try to be mindful for an hour, for a day, for a week and so there's this sort of even such a beautiful thing as mindfulness gets affected by our, our contracted patterning into the future I've got to make this work and continue um, into memories of the past, I'm not very mindful, therefore I've got to really do this. And all, all this got to and should be and supposed to and how long for. And that's, that's the whole, these are the signs of the contracted nature, which is frightened and mistrustful and almost assumes that a state of, of withdrawal and mistrust is my true nature. You know, because I've been patterned into that and I've programmed that and I've decorated that over years. I put a lot of time into, you know, painting and decorating this shell and <laughs> hanging the curtains and, you know, making it cosy in here or relatively cosy. So, you know, this is my true nature. I've got to make it fit as best as possible. So maybe I could put some mindfulness in here. <laughs> Now, if I've got a little bit in there, don't let it get out, you know. Hold it in there. And this, you know, I, I, this is something that I've certainly done myself. Well, mindfulness is only when, you can, when you're with, with, that, with that sensation in your foot when you walk, that's mindfulness. Or mindfulness when you're with the breath, that's mindfulness. So always be with that, you know. And then, then there comes the, well, what about everything else, you know, it's a kind of... <laughs> Because there's a lot more things happening than breathing and walking, aren't there? And they, you know, so we think, wow, this is like trying to walk a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. <laughs> don't, whatever you do, don't, don't look down. <laughs> it's that, it's that fine. So the sense of spaciousness, full awareness, is that thing that kind of opens around mindfulness when we're a little more fearless and trusting about it. Maybe it's just, just bring yourself into the present, you know, allow the, the sensation, if you're in the breathing, or if you're walking, or you're standing, or there's a mood coming up, just let it, just be on the rolling ball of that as it rolls. It's like standing on a ball that rolls, you've got to be very light with that. Yeah. And sometimes the very quality of that light spaciousness just so calms the whole system, the ball stops rolling and you come into a collected state. Whereas if you, you know, it's like when you're balancing and you're really trying hard to balance, and as you try hard, you tighten up, and then you fall over. Yeah? You know how it is? Like that. And how difficult it is just to say, you know, I try as hard as I can, I can't get it. I only get it for a moment. What would it, what would it be like if I relaxed? Lose it altogether. But just trusting, you know, into the present moment, we can lose this a thousand times. A very generous practice, we can lose this a thousand times. Get used to losing it. So you lose that sense of, of fear. Just like, you know, when you're doing judo or aikido, you learn how to fall. 
and not hurt, not get damaged. You're going to fall and roll and bounce back. And rather than that, oh, I got it wrong, you know, pathetic. Just then you you know falling and breaking something. Learn how to fall and roll like the the good uh, judo or aikido um, adept. And then it's natural to do that. You roll, fall, you come back. And once you begin to lose your fear of losing it, your fear of falling, and all the self-blame that immediately jumps right into action, (laughs) this is all part of it. It's all part of it. And then, you know, so we begin to ease, and there can be some spaciousness, some humour around the falling even. That was a pretty nice fall. And spaciousness is, is this quality of the full awareness, sampajanya. means, and actually as that develops, then your, your, your sensitivity and your balance becomes enhanced. Then, you know, you don't mind falling anymore, you don't, you don't fall so much. Because you're that much more tremblingly, broadly aware. You know, you can begin to f- sense the patterns of clinging as they come up and just, you know, wait, let's ease that one up around this meditation object around this state. So it's mindfulness, you know, stands or positions on the state and the Sampajanya balances around that state. How am I holding this? And these are, you know, two, or, you know, they're they're often enumerated as one, just mindfulness and clear comprehension is sometimes kind of slotted together. But they're, it's called, uh, or, or samasati, correct or full mindfulness. We recognize there's such a thing as mitya, sati, wrong mindfulness. You know. So somehow sati is mindfulness with this full awareness. Um, and that's part of the, the, that's an aspect of the way that this, what I call the ground of being or the ground of relative emptiness um, is experienced. And, you know, knowing where that's experienced is, is one of the great blessings of mindfulness. You know, it's the introduction. So it all comes from just coming into the present and trusting the present, being present. So that, that introduces us. And then we can recognize within that there's a quality that begins to wake up, which is about intelligence, or Dhamma Vijaya, which is not the manipulative or figuring out, but it's like intelligence that a plant has. For example, a plant is intelligent in this way. It kind of moves towards the light. The leaves orient themselves towards the light. The roots know where the water is and they grow down. They're sensitive. Intelligent the way that any living system is intelligent. It knows how to heal itself. It knows how to grow. It knows to seek nourishment. It knows where the goodness is. And Dhamma Vijaya is like that, it's a kind of subtle, it's not even questioning, though it can manifest questioning, it's, a, it's, a, it's that sense, how is it, how is it, mm. what is this, what is this, mm. it's like that. And this is, um, so that, the, uh, you know, this, this ground has this quality to it. And it's lovely to, to, set, to feel that, rather than having everything all packed and figured out and cut and dried already. Feel it. 
And there's, a, there's an enormous um, shift that can occur when we can allow that rather than come in with the, the plan and the strategy and the agenda and the know-how. Just come in with the, the Dhamma Vijaya. Trust it. I'll, I'll figure it out. It, it will work. Come into presence and let yourself explore and it will, it will come to get, it will come in together. So our conditioned patterning is to have it all ready before the day, isn't it? It's something that happens to all of us. Tell me what you can do on Friday. On Friday. Uh, and then, you know, if you, if you can't figure it out, you still feel a bit silly. I don't know what Friday, I don't, I don't know Friday. <laughs> Well, I know when you ask the questions, this sense of there's a lot of potential stuff could be coming up, you know. <laughs> you know, if you could tell me what, what tunes the birds will sing on Friday, I'll tell you. What. <laughs> so sensing it. So with that, one has to trust not having immediate answers. And don't, I would be cautious about immediate answers to anything, and particularly in your own system. How many of them come from judging mind? You know, that's that. Next. Yeah. <laughs> How many of them come from the uh, protect, you know, that which wants to just um, cl- close down the moment? close down the ambiguities and the potential of the moment. Kill it. Book. This is this. End. That thing. How much of it is actually to do with our... I don't want to be present. I like to like to have a strategy here. So, of course, you know, those are all... They're there for a reason, all right? Those, those particular um, contractions, they're there for a reason. Because this is very much what we can get conditioned into. You don't just, don't just sit there, don't just stand there, don't just feel it. Get on and make sure that it conforms to what's efficient, effective. So one is always living somebody else's life living a life of what we're supposed to be. And the, you know, the, the real hijacking of one's life force by that. This is the wave of becoming, this particular thing, what next, what next, what next and all the, the, the um, strategies that are, are there to give me a what next. All the planning and the, uh, which is there to give me a what next. In the wave of becoming towards something that will be surely more assured and okay. Surely more settled. So when I'm going on a walk, I'm going there so I get to the end of it where I feel okay, you know. I'll be able to remember what a nice time I've had. <laughs> Take the photos, get the t-shirt. Mm-hmm. No, there I was. You know, it must have been good. 
<laughs> the wave of becoming to have had an experience rather than to just be the experiencing I want to have had the experience of samadhi rather than to be in the experiencing so if I've had the experience of samadhi I can sit and oh good I've, had, I've done that I'm okay I've been there I've got it now I've made it to the next notch on the rung of becoming. Not, you know, there's nothing, I don't want to give the wrong tone here, you know, being in samadhi is beautiful, trying to become it is murder. Hmm. And to recognize that, you know, you, you can have wrong samadhi as well as right samadhi. Wrong samadhi is that which is is powered by the becoming because it's got a gripping to it and it's got a contracting to it and it's got a sense of holding onto this in it and the right samadhi is that which is comes through that quality of ease and rest you know where the hindrances die away and the contractions pass away and we actually can almost feel a new pattern of being it's like sometimes your body sense feels different. The emotional, emotional um, pattern, patterning feels different. And so that with the sensitivity, Dhamma Vijaya, intelligence at that level, then you have um, a particular kind of energy is, is aroused, which is a certain sort of eagerness and energy. That means we, we feel resourced to apply ourselves and it's an energy that's not driven we're not driven on we're you know eagerly interested and moving on and that's quite a different thing from the you know the way we often use or have become conditioned into experiencing effort effort is something I must do and I should do and I'm always a sense of perhaps of this is a big thing to be judged by, isn't it? You know, you are lazy. Um, not just in terms of other people's comments, but also um, it's the early bird that gets the worm, as it were. So in a competitive um, you know, society, those who run hardest get the goods. So that sense of tremendous conditioning into making an effort to the point of strain um, and being rewarded for that. Somebody's telling me yesterday about this multitasking in their, in their job, which means if you can try to do five things at once, you're a good boy, you know, get a, you get a rise. So, you know, if you can handle this, do this, answer this, talk this, grab your lunch at the same time, don't stop for lunch, just keep going, you know, you're really upwardly mobile. You know, basket case by the age of 35, never mind. You're a, you're a success, and now you can afford the medical fees and the therapy. <laughs> and now you can induct some other jerk into the same process <laughs> called being a manager. <laughs> so the message, you know, effort, effort, and so on and think, well, there's certainly in the Buddhist teaching there's a tremendous emphasis on energy and effort, but where does it come from? You know, does it come from gladness, 
from, hey, there's something here for me, you know, wow, this is good. Uh, and this is something I can wriggle out of this contracted state and get this thing off my back, you know. It's like the, the, the it's like yawning or stretching. There's quite a lot of effort there, but it's, it's something where you can feel your own power start to rise and your own gladness start to rise and your own eagerness, the sense of, you know, true desire, under. And this is a quality of, of the, the ground of being. It's not inert. It's not kind of passive, but it's, it's energized. So even when um, and these qualities of effort and energy begin to stabilize us into a, an energized state of being, where it's not that we're doing anything, but we feel very much tremblingly alive. And this is a state of called rapture. It's not that there's not a lot of, you know, maybe the volitional quality begins to take a rest because we're not addicted to effort. So there's some need to prove oneself or some compulsiveness, but you find that quality of effort that tunes you up, an energy that tunes you up. And it's important to, to get the sense of that. Any person who practices yoga or any, any bodily, bodily, doing body work really knows how it has to be trained, taught to all beginners. Just make that quality of effort that takes you to a place where you feel almost like an enjoyment or extending but not strained. And how most people really need to know that emphatically, that our natural tendency is to strain. Because that's what almost got programmed in. The only way you feel you're making a reasonable effort is when you strain. When you get that kind of knee-knocking feeling, then you know, oh, I'm in the good place now. <laughs> and so, no, no, you've got to actually give a new signaling to the, to the whole system. It's not that I can just barely make this or, you know, near, near the state of over, overreach. And that may be this, what you've been con- conditioned into signaling as your peak performance in many ways but you know, for awakening we've got to come back from that into just this tone it's like toning up and the, the sign of that is, is the quality of rapture that inclines towards ease and this is um, quite crucial because this is where the wave of becoming which can be associated with effort you know keep going to get more, the what next, the further, the further, the further, the further. Um, there is a certain high that comes with that. And one has to distinguish the kind of high that's adrenaline-soaked or, um, you know, expectation-saturated or anything of that nature to the high which is just a pleasant tonality, a pleasing tonality of being fit, if you like, feeling fit. Because one, so this rapture can seem, you know, can be either, could be in either of those. But the rapture that one's looking for is the rapture that inclines towards ease, contentment. Because this is where the wave of becoming descends to the ground of being. It's rather like if you'd imagine the waves of the sea coming in. And, and every one of them actually rolls onto the, this beach. You know, which is the ground, and uh, and the 
truth of it is that all, all becoming does this. We always become something, then land, you know, and then land, and then land, and then land, you know. But if the becoming is so violent that the landing is like crash, and uh, there's no ability to stay there. So it's just taking it to that place where you can feel the sense of descending into ease. And this is a quality of this ground. And then it goes from this is the what brings the mind into the uh, samadhi experience, which is one of um, diffusiveness, steadiness, and the last is is equanimity or upeka, which is a means as a as a sense of firmness there, or a holding, not being held, but like. One is extended, uh, fully extended, and able to be in that state of balance. The sort of firmness that's not tight, the firmness that rests in complete balance with the way things are. Interesting enough, this this ground is innate, so at any time when we come into presence, it's, it's like that. You, you know, so if you use your, your Dhamma Vijaya, you're, you're, so you get the sense of spaciousness, presence and spaciousness around this. There's no hurry, there's nothing to do, there's nothing to prove. It's just, it's just let's just feel this out. Where is it? Is it a thought? No, really. Some thoughts come up in that. Is it a mood? Kind of, but various moods seem to waver through that. Sometimes it's kind of sweet, sometimes it's tingly, and sometimes it's joyful, and sometimes it's slightly sad or even poignant. So we can recognize these different moods. So it's not exactly a mood. Is it in my body? Well, the body's here, but it's not certainly not in my knees. <laughs> you know, there's different textures of solid and pressure and heat and warmth and painful tingles and rushes and it's around all of that. So this, you know, so and a habit is to, to focus on particular dhammas that arise in there, on this sensation or this thought or this feeling and then the stories begin, don't they? It kind of come from something rather spacious and open to something that begins to narrow down onto what am I going to do about this sensation in my back? Yeah. I'm always, you know, it is again. Goodness me, I've been with this for five years. Pain in my back for five years. I never get rid of this. And so the story begins. And then the victim comes in. <laughs> Trapped victim. So, you know, we, we come down into that particular very firmed uh, self, my image, who I am, and this is this is uh, the, it could be happening many many times, and every every time that happens, there's a sense of solidity about it, familiarity about it, meanness about it, and stuckness about it. 
So these are the kind of, you know, these are the kind of hard, undigested crystals you know, that all our sense of becoming crystallizes around. Because once I touch or feel one of those crystals, it comes up the sense of what am I going to do about this? How can I fix this? Why am I like this? And all that waving blur of trembling activity occurs around it. Sense of spaciousness and potential is then contracted. And one tries to strategize one's way out of that painfulness or that whatever it is, stuckness, in back into something more spacious. But the whole way of doing it is of trying to do it that way is extremely arduous. Because it's always coming from the how can I exclude this bit? From the whole of me, how can I get, kind of shove this little bit, this hard lump? How can I kind of push that out of my my nice open spaciousness? Huh? <laughs> you know, I want to be spacious, but not with that in it. <laughs> I want a space that's sort of over this side, and all that nasty, gritty stuff goes out out the back door. You know. When you, you when you be able to phrase about it, you realize how ridiculous it is. And then, of course, the trial or the challenge was: can we be present with our hard lumps, stuck lumps, and and just stop generating stories about it, or plans, or or you know manipulations around it? Just Feel the feeling in the feeling. Feel the feeling as a feeling. Know the form as a form. And it has a bodily aspect. We can feel, you know, tight around our throat, perhaps in the belly, you know, lost, lost bits of the body seem to have just died or gone somewhere. It can have a bodily aspect to it. The emotional aspect to it, which can be a kind of desperate sense, a slow, low-grade desperation. Oh, oh God! Oh no! Oh, keep going! Oh no! Oh no! Keep going! Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> it's impermanent. It's impermanent. It's impermanent. <laughs> it's not self. Not self. And so on. So it's just kind of low-grade modified despair or it might have something more more enraged about it you know bitter resentful and this so this hard stuff can be physical pain can be little bits of emotional pain memories how I was treated and so on this lump and the story is always trying to find out how it could be without it, or why it was why it was like this, or why I had to be like this, or why do people do this to me, or so on. And so it spins. This is the wave of becoming. It spins out like that. You get stories. Can we, you know? So coming to presence, the challenge of this is: can we collapse that wave? It's just this now. It's that painful 
feeling, that unresolved feeling, that trembly feeling, that murky sense, and begin to invite that into presence. Please. So that you, you begin to wear away the casing around that. There's all the, the initial case, initial skin around all that is resisting it. Don't let this come into me. Don't let this come into me. Well, too hurtful, it's too painful, it'll overwhelm me. So, maybe taking it just slowly, you know. Some of these things can be extremely potent lots of karma in them and touching it gently you know, you don't have to jump in but accommodating and any, any time that any of those, those patterns of becoming recede even to the, just the delightful possibility that maybe one could you know, it would be alright to be with that just even that possibility and that the daring to just touch into the, the, the grief. Not like to solve it or be braver than it or you know, but just that's I could even be informed that it's all right to feel bad. There's a little bit of the of the of the hardness melts with that. It's all right to feel bad. Oh. You know, don't have to be wonderful and cheerful and bright and whole and serene. No, no. Be as miserable as you like. Ah. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's not that we're kind of trying to make that some kind of permanent state, but just taking the pressure from that, and then perhaps we can come a little bit closer in then into that. Yeah. Now, the, the, if you like, the, the lump knows we're not just going to blame it or shove it out. So, we can feel it as a feeling, and let the feeling unfold in us and be felt. Now all this is, goes, runs in tandem with the continuing process of finding the ground of being. Because it's the ground of being that can handle and accommodate the pain of becoming. You can't do this. The ground of being can do this. It can accommodate and handle and allay, take away the pain of becoming. You can't do this. You try to do this, I try to do this. I can't do this. I try to do this. There's not a way I can do this. I can't do this. Perhaps if I tried this, I could. Maybe I shouldn't. I could try and do it this way. Oh, I can't do this. Maybe perhaps I just can't. I can't do this. I can't do this. And then you're right at the edge there. So that place is the place where one can, is the yielding. 
it's all right to be here not being able to do this. There's something, you, you, you get a sense of descending, it's almost like your, your belly drops. And uh, you, something opens into the ground of being. Now the ability to be with that stuck frustration of not being able to do this, This is, of course, the key of the Four Noble Truths. That the dukkha is, when, is that edge which keeps we keep dancing around, and occasionally come up against, and you know, and uh, the cessation is the complete letting go, the complete discarding, letting go, abandonment, relinquishment of all forms of contraction, holding on. And you know, so one of the signs of that is that very sense of the of of who I imagine myself to be. That particular pattern breaks, so it shifts, breaks into frightening word. It shifts. It kind of like something like a a muscle or a tendon stretches in your bodily terms. Something you go, oof. That's. You know, that's when you so that the Four Noble Truths is just that the collapse of becoming into being, being present. Now, medit- so meditation exercises are there to prime those those enlightenment faculties, those enlightenment factors, so that the it begins we get a greater sense of felt trust, not just trust that we talk ourselves into, not salesman trust. You know, this used car, don't worry about this used car, you'll be fine, and so, which is the kind of salesman's trust where you just give yourself the patter, but real embodied, bodily trust. Your body knows it. You can't fool your body, your bodily sense. You know, it will hold and you feel it held, and it needs to be more than just talked at. You need to actually, this is what mindfulness of body does. It's actually getting right there into the tissues and the fibers and feeling, you know, they're, they're holding being, and bringing that into presence until they begin to know it's okay here. You know, I can release here. What's, what, what the body begins to know what's with me now is the ground of being. Is mindfulness and spaciousness. It's not some maniac with all kinds of ideas about what I'm going to do, what I should be. So the body begins to release, relax itself. And this is not just you know, something you might not see that much physically, though people sometimes you can almost discern some of the bodily tension just shift. But it's somatically, it's very powerful. One gets a sense of the body comes alive sense of well-being, effusiveness, rapture. And it may be momentary. I liken, sometimes I, I, use, uh, I liken rapture to being rather like when you have a, 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 a rowboat and it's beached in the sand, embedded in the sand, and when the waves of the sea start coming in and how it, the rowboat starts to lift, it first just lifts a little bit. It's still in the sand, it just gets a little 
shift and a little roll. That's the beginning of it. And then as it comes in further, the thing starts to lift out of the fixedness. And, and you look, hey, this floats. You didn't need that beach. You know, you, you can float. And so it's, it comes in ebbs and waves. And the first place to re- really receive that can be in, is in through the body, through the bodily sense, the somatic sense, breathing, letting the breath move deeply, knowing all we have to do is breathe in and out. can be something like just body, body sweeping, where you, you feel the textures of the tissues just as they are, and give them warmth. can be through the bases of Brahma Vihara, loving kindness, compassion and so forth, just, which is, if you like, generating a space around us, using these terms very broadly. It can be around our thoughts, around our moods, around our bodies, which is generating a space around us that's, that's on our side, that we don't have to cut off from, but actually we'd rather like to open into. Something out there is good for me, I'd rather like to meet that. Yeah. But both, on all levels, that has to be really signalled clearly. Because so often when you come up with an emotional pattern in the public domain, it's not necessarily received, welcomed, you know, it's, you know, you get the sort of reflex comes back. It's maybe not even heard. Sometimes it's actually directly counteract, contradict, like shut up, or I don't care, or that's your problem, or it's a Nietzsche, you know. <laughs> but you get the kind of sense of being slapped back. Or sometimes it's just there isn't anybody there, nobody, somebody's, uh-huh, I mean, that's interesting, it's a dinner. <laughs> so it kind of, it got halfway out of it, oh. Um, so that, that sense of, you know, how much be nice if we could all just be really here for each other and there are times perhaps when we, we can but at least be here for oneself I mean there's got to be time for that surely you know, I mean how can I expect everybody else to be here for me and I can't even be here for myself uh, can I be here just being uh, loving to myself and it means even in the nastiness of me um, even in the spikiness of me and, uh, and the sadness you say, oh, you know, just, just being able to be ready to receive it and so this you know, this is what the Brahmacara are about we maybe start with something which is easy to receive and then grow up uh, grow up to receiving uh, all of it And th- so this is, this is also rapturous because of the sense of uplift, uh, quality, sense of this, so the potential becomes open, presence. We don't have to hope for some future, plan for some future, so that, you know, or, or create stories around that, which is the sense of the potential of presence. We realize in this 
the only place really that there is potential is present. And all the time, our old pattern has learned that the potential is in the future. And that's the old pattern. Potential is in the future. That's the wave of becoming. And uh, you know where you know, you know where that goes. Potential is in the future. Potential is in the present. Mm. You know, this is where it actually it really is. And by potential, I don't mean something that's about to become. I mean the sense of potency, of aliveness, brimming, ample, spacious. The quality of that is such that the pain of contraction, of withdrawal, can melt in that. You know, as a person, personality, I can wish I wish there were no hard edges here. Actually, I don't particularly do that anymore. You know. But I can understand that on one level. Which there were no sharp places, no hard edges, no pains, no griefs, no resentments, no feeling dumped on here. And yet, all these dhammas, all these things are self releasing. I can't do this. You must remember that I can't do this. Uh, But they self release. Because when we come into the very presence that's already here, even with that stuff, then it's like the thing springs open. Self, it's self-releasing. Because it's not self-releasing. Who's going to release it? Who's going to get in there and do the liberating? Huh? Where is she? Where is he? Will the liberator please stand up? What a pain she would be, or he would be, wouldn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> he'd be able to tell us all what to do, what we should be. Oh, no. <laughs> so self-releasing means that in the very place, you know, where where there is that the stuck. And if you know, this, this sense of the, the touching it. Being with it, opening full awareness around it, it, it self-releases. Because that's all it really wanted to know. What it really needed was just pure presence. Now, meditation exercises, and there are many of them, are there really to, to prime, to intensify, to make us even more fully attuned to that which is always present. Calming, abiding in that, so that we're not caught on on dhammas, but you know, pulled out on ter- in terms of formations and plans and so forth. Um, we're not spinning. A sense of calm and collecting. Do that. Insight. We'll be able to see 
or feel or sense. We can handle phenomena coming and going and uh, the spaciousness within which they arise and the spaciousness which they descend into. And these are aspects of what um, I suggest all, all meditations um, bring up. And they, but the trick or the, the, the thing to remember is it's not something that's different from being present. Being present is perhaps a more, um, le- you know, more diffused sense of that. Perhaps it doesn't have the same ballast to it, the same kind of, um, you know, firmness to it. But of course, the big problem that all, all meditators face is what we call the off-the-cushion dilemma, the off-the-cushion trauma. whereby we felt, oh, the rapturous bit only occurs when I do this. Spaciousness only occurs on that, you know, six square feet of mat, wherever it is. That's where it is. (laughs) (laughs) That's my rapturous Zafu and me. So the only place one could be present. You know, that's 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 the drawback of it. Just to be watchful of that, because then when we get up, the signalling then comes, sig- body signal, lotus, zafu, ah, spaciousness, and the body. Oh right, now we do this, and then get up. Oh, now it's time to go back to panic. Oh yeah, right, okay. <laughs> panic, panic, mistrust, anxiety, become, get on, do, wash out, be careful. You know, don't don't see, don't notice, don't be present. You know, rush around here and try and get back to that cushion again. <clears throat> so, you know, the patterning can shift. We can go back to that, the, that old disconnected patterning, you know, at the drop of a hat. Easy. So you've got to actually, you know, changing the signalling. So we, you know, coming out of the meditation very gently, like inviting the senses, just the hearing, not what's her, but just the hearing. I can be present in hearing, just the touching, the seeing, I can be present with seeing, I don't have to, you know, put on some expression, I can just be seeing, and then moving, and so on. So, the and so on, actually is not that brief. (laughs) 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 But we don't. We don't have time to get into all that right now. There's quite a bit of and so on there. But maybe, you know, just, just bringing that into mind. Uh, and so, so just, if we like, any particular moment in a day, just starting like that, can I just be present? Here I am in the dining hall. You know, it's whatever time it is, and it's going to be you know, sitting time in a little while, and somebody sitting next to me, slurping over their spaghetti, or whatever it is people do. You know, just be with this. <laughs> is it all right, you know, is this really, is, this all, is it, you know, is it really wrong for it to be like this? You know? yeah. So the, we, the sense of, of the potential to, t- to, to, to be present you know, with all dhammas and not 
um, reacting to them or tightening up around them is very exciting. And we find that those, it, it's, it's bringing up aspects of our edge in, in, in many different ways. Um, and some of these edges are, are, you know, are not necessarily deep tissue stuff, but just the, the lighter things that we can begin to experience. Like just relax about, relax around somebody sitting two foot away from me. Just a little bit. Okay, it's just. Hmm. I can just kind of relax around a heating system, twinging and twanging. You know. Oh. So we see that the little things that start to make us just shrink and shrivel and you get into signaling to the body, watch that, watch out for that, however it is, and learning to open. All this sense contact doesn't have to be that bad if we're not going into the wave of becoming on it, to get me out of here. The, I think this will be over in ten minutes. I can I can endure this. I can survive this. I can get through this. Till you know, until it goes away, I can I can outlast this. It goes away. Yeah. So that that's a very powerful strategy too, a meditative strategy. Just sit here and it'll go away eventually. <laughs> so I've developed this one to an extraordinary degree. I endure just about anything, you know. Just sit there and just hold on. Pass. <laughs> and a lot of it does, you know. It comes to go, you know, I managed to outstare it or just sit there long enough in it where other people's waves are becoming splashed somewhere else and mine could just stay there, you know. Like, I don't want to just survive, you know. I don't want to survive. I, mean, I want to survive. I want to do more than just survive life. <laughs> <laughs> and survive experience and survive sense contact and survive things that I don't like happening. I want to just survive them, you know, things I don't like. I want to actually, you know, open out of all that. So the, the, even these, these survivor strategies that we can adopt um, are still, you know, in the wave of becoming, so that when this goes away, I will be. Phew. Yeah. I can survive this sitting, when this goes away, But it's, it's um, important not to energize or even honor these, these strategies. Because we can honor them. So just, just bring me back to that word again. You know, rapture is an important aspect of awakening. And it's not just a giggly thing, but it's the sense, the brimmingness. And being using the meditation to embody that so that when we come into the presence of body, handling the body, handling the body with awareness, 
handling the body with willing, full, suffusive awareness. The body delights finally being held in that way rather than the defended way or the should-be way. When we enter the heart with that quality, that diffusive welcoming awareness, the heart delights. Uh, There is something that can receive the trembling and the pain the anxiety or the joy, the silliness of it all. A silliness is to be, you know, the kind of playfulness, if you like. All of that. Okay. So it's not in these particular things in themselves that the rapture comes, but in that the freedom to, to handle it, freedom to be with ourselves. How delightful. And then being aware of anything that we begin to read into situations to tell us otherwise. Now we've set up, or something in us sets up, modelling that imagines, I want you to be something else. And when we start doing that to each other, perhaps to just remind, this is how I am right now. Please help me to be with it. Andamayang o vadagata sadukaran dadamase This talk was given by Ajahn Susido at Insight Meditation Society on April 24, 2002. It is an offering of the Dharma 